have the pleasure of having Ellie Nash in search of more, in search of more Pavic podcast. Uh, me and Ellie met uh, I don't know, seven years ago in, in an airport. In an airport. <laughs> in an airport. I was a, I had the pleasure of being a guest on his podcast. Uh, Ellie has made a significant, significant. Um, has helped many people with porn addiction, and he's uh, his work is really, really great. His podcast is great. Uh, many about healing, psychedelics. Pretty much about everything. So, so today it's my turn to <laughs> to interview you on definitely things that I'm curious about. Um, especially, I, I see you're definitely on this healing journey, um, and definitely what you went through and and how you overcame it. TED Talk that was very courageous. Thank you. Uh, we should we share also the we sh we gave her Matt that we l I love him. Right. I love his stuff. And we pretty much we want we want to bring more people to healing and more people to right conscious. Welcome, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. So I see a lot. I see you're talking a lot about. Let's talk about the elephant in the room, psychedelics. <laughs> um, you know, never in a million years would I would I even think I would even even recommend people to do this. But today, there's people that are genuinely stuck, and you know, we, you uh, we thank God we have we have a successful podcast, but. You know, I even hear Daniel Katz speak about it, but there's people yeah. that are genuinely, genuinely stuck that they need something like a, you know, like a little help from above. Yeah. How'd you get into this? Tell me how, how'd you, how'd you get into psychedelics and, and, and what did it do for you, et cetera? Right. So you mentioned uh, Gabor Mate. So first, a little background. I didn't explore with drugs before. It wasn't a, um, it wasn't a drive for me as a teenager or a young adult. It wasn't. Not psychedelics, not regular drugs. It wasn't right. an area I touched. I had weed maybe two or three times in my life. Thank God. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, it wasn't an area. And I did have an addiction, right? I had a sex addiction. Sure, I was addicted sure. to prostitutes, strip clubs, massage parlors, porn, all of that stuff. So I had vices. It's just drugs weren't it. The reason I bring that up is because I'm not I wasn't exploring it from that angle. What happened was is I was in recovery for many years. Uh, one of the people I followed closely was Gabor Mate. And I'd heard people mention things about different medicines, different plant medicines or psychedelics. There's so many different names sure. for these uh, for these things. Each one with its own uh, its own meaning. I see that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Each one has a little bit of like the the way someone like a true ayahuasca won't call it psychedelics. Right. They're not psychedelics. Correct. They won't. They won't use that term. Mushrooms. This uh, all kinds of different. Yeah, ones. but not only those are different medicines, but also the name we use. Okay. And some plant medicines in the Amazon. Right, which ayahuasca is probably the one I've worked closest with and have had the most healing with. They call it a uh, they call it a medicine, not a psychedelic. In any case, um, I I'd heard other people talk about it, but of course I was skeptical. Right? Yeah. How is this not drugs? And then I heard Gabor Mate talk about it, which he is the one of the people I follow most closely in my own recovery from addiction. Even though I was a 12-step person, and I don't really consider him a 12-step person, right. but his message, his compassionate inquiry, and a lot of his books, and the realm of hungry ghosts, and his talks, it was something I followed. And in 2019, I heard him on a podcast with Tim Ferriss, and I believe the words he used were that uh, ayahuasca is the single most powerful tool for healing addiction that he's seen. Wow. And uh, I was just too curious not to see what he was talking about. I trusted him. Right. Obviously, it's a... Uh, like where do you get it? You know, walk Correct. Correct. How did you right? How'd you how'd you come to get it? And how'd you how, what was your experience like? So my first so prior prior to that, ayahuasca is a little bit more a little bit more difficult um, experience to have because it's very closely connected to the shaman and the one who's who's running the room. It's just, there's a ceremonial aspect to it, whereas mushrooms can be taken 
taken in a dark room by yourself and maybe have someone sitting outside to keep you safe, but there isn't that um, the shaman who's leading the ceremony, who's in there with you in the experience, guiding you. It's really hard to use words to explain this, mm. uh, but for someone who's experienced both, they know, exa- they know exactly what I'm talking about. Got it. Uh, so my first experience was not actually with ayahuasca. What happened was is I'd heard from Gabor Mate, and then I'd made the decision that I want to do it. Making the decision I want to do it is not the same as doing it. Obviously, there's a lot of legal issues. There's a lot of what I can do. Just show up in Peru and on the right, side of the road. Right. Yeah, it's just it's a, it's a cra- <laughs> I'm just so curious how people's experience with this. Yeah. Right. So the first thing, obviously, was, okay, I'm going to bring this up with my wife. What is she going to think about it? And without me even bringing it up, she told me of someone she knew, a couple which was struggling, which uh, did an MDMA journey together. And... You know, each one of these substances in the science will explain, you know, different benefits that they have. MDMA is often used in a therapeutic setting. It also has a, obviously, a, a party and drug mm-hmm. quality to it. This is not a, uh, cool. a, a certification or a stamp of approval for all use of MDMA. And I know you use a, you run a drug clinic as well. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> that's why, I, again, from my <laughs> angle is obviously, but, but there's times that you have to open people up. And if whatever is needed is needed. Correct. You know, the way I see that is like, Let's say sex. Sex is a good example, maybe a little bit coarse, but it's the way my mind thinks. Uh, having sex with a prostitute and having sex with one's Correct. wife is the exact same thing, but it couldn't be more different. Correct. One is to escape and one is to connect. Sure. So in much the same way. We can use a knife to for a surgery to heal. We can use a knife the to... The intention to behind it. hundred percent. Right. So my wife had told me about a couple she knew which was struggling on the brink of divorce and didn't have MDMA, a guided MDMA journey with someone and had profound healing. And they felt like they had a second chance at their marriage. Turns out it didn't work. Like f- mm. Fast, like where we are today, it has not worked for them. But in the moment, they felt some sort of um, some hope. So that was kind of the first, after I hear this podcast, and right. I, okay, I already have my wife's blessing. She already had a, a positive experience. And then uh, my wife and I were on a trip um, in France, actually the same trip. I have to think of it, the same That's trip, so yes, funny. that I saw you. So it was actually... I was going to Uma and you were going to France. Wow. Yeah, it was actually 2019. So it was like four or five, yeah, That's about four right. years ago. That's right, wow. Yes, yeah, so I was going to France. Was, we just had our second child. And uh, we had a baby nurse that we hired for a few months. And she was leaving. So we wow. said, you know what, just before we, just before the three months end, let's take a wife. Let's take a trip, my wife and I. And we went there. And, you know, you're always kind of a little bit more curious sure. when you're uh, traveling. And we ran into a couple who was staying at a friend's house, whatever, you know, the details aren't so important. And we're sitting, and the guy's talking about um, a sex addiction that he's had and uh, how he's used psychedelics to help heal him. Mm-hmm. So I was, okay, this is kind of my second sign. And then I said, okay, I'm going to do something. I just didn't know where. And then I... Uh, so you got, you got enough signs. That those you are two. This is where you were. Then a week or two later, you know, when I met you was, um, was before Rosh Hashanah, right, right before Rosh Hashanah. Which literally, I was going to Oman on that plane in Miami International, right? Okay, so it w- it's crazy, the timing. So while, there, I'm, while I'm on the trip there, I got back to Miami before Rosh Hashanah. While I'm on the trip there, I meet this couple who tells me the guy, they had just got married, they were on their honeymoon, we had a lunch with them, and he's telling me about psychedelics and sex addiction and how it's helped heal him in a lot of ways. We get back to Miami, I get a call from someone who I barely knew, and she tells me, I don't know why I'm telling you this, I don't share lot of my life like this aspect of my right. life people I understood later that it came up for her in a psychedelic experience to introduce me to it and she said I just want to let you know about this facilitator who I know and trust and that's it booked in wow. a couple of weeks but you, wh- what got you? you felt you were stuck in a way um 
what was going on in my life. I had a lot of anxiety still. Okay. Despite the fact that I was sober, I still. And you, even though you, even though you spoke about porn, that you spoke I spoke about, about everything. It. Yeah, I still had a lot of anxiety. It wasn't as intense as it right. once. Because you figured that would have been, hey, I got purpose out of this. I'm on TED talks. I'm helping tons of people. You figured that would have been the magic button, that that would have done it. It I gave you like that purpose. I was sober at that time, but there was still anxiety. Anxiety, anxiety deep inside me. Yeah. Wow. That was, I was manifesting a lot, a lot at work, a lot with my kids. It was very difficult for me to be uh, present and relaxed in a lot of settings. And I also was still working hard at the addiction. It wasn't right. like the way I am today. Were, is not the were same. You were you learning? Oh, were you learning Hasidus? Were you learning anything? Or were you just, you, you, you spoke about it and you... At that time, I wasn't talking so much about it. I wasn't learning. No. Okay, so you were learning. I wasn't learning. No, that actually, I started learning afterwards. It was uh, actually it. during an experience I had. Um, the realization that I was, because I had so much resentment and anger towards mm. people in my upbringing, I was throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Understood. And in an experience, I felt like, um, you know, maybe I should reconnect with the Rebbe. I had a, a troubled relationship with the Rebbe a little bit because this was his community, and I saw a lot of darkness right. in the sure. community. And then everyone says whatever, you know, he says a lot of sayings, a lot of books, a lot of letters. Anything you want to support, you'll find a letter for Right. You know, the Rebbe said this in 1972, and if you really know his stuff, you'll find somewhere he said the opposite. It could have been a personal instruction. Right. It could have been the context is missing, whatever. Everyone is able to support whatever they want. In you, the name. you hear what you want to hear, exactly. and you 100%. see what you want to see. That's the bottom line. And on a journey, there was realization that, hey, this guy's definitely something, even on a practical level, without understanding things spiritually. No what question. he created from a business perspective, like from a business, from an organization perspective, is unbelievable. There's no question. So I said, let me connect him. How would I connect him? Because I'm not going to read about him. To people's Rebbe stories, I was no interest in Rebbe stories. Let me see what he w what he says himself, his own his own books. And I started right. learning that, and that's reconnected me to Judaism. You know, it's uh, the story with me. And I, I I was always connected to Chabad earlier, even though I was you know off, off my own derek. But I, he, the Rebbe literally called play by play when my mother um, she wrote to him when I was eight years old. Should we leave it to America? And back then, my parents were getting divorced, and the the Rebbe told her, "Get out of there fast." <laughs> and he and he, he Rebbe Groner, they they play by play. They called that whole move for me coming to America due to the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Oh well, and play by play. I mean, it was <laughs> play by play. I witnessed it as as well, I found the stories, I found the letters, nice. And uh, it was once you hear that, I mean, there's nothing to. So I never really connected as much as Chabad as Bresev. Bresev really got me to. To where I am, obviously, we had that story. Yeah, many different um, paths. I mean, I, I love Chabad, a big supporter, but but Bresa for me speaks a little bit more of uh, the emotional, the way I connect, obviously. So that we speaking about, you know, this is something I, 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 a message that I spread a lot, that, you know, the difference between where I see the difference between Hasidus and our teachings, versus just psychology, and I read, I've read Gabriel Matz's books and all that. It all helps you get really to, it helps you doesn't, it, it gets you to maybe to change your consciousness, but not growing consciousness that I've seen. Like what I've seen with, 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 with teachings, with, with Chabad teachings and, and, and Breslov, Hasidus, it really gets you to an, a, a, a much higher consciousness versus just feeling better and giving a meaning. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's hard for me to... Um, Altering consciousness versus expanding right. consciousness. Right, it's hard for me to, to like give an an opinion on it without medicines. Meaning, got my it, got it. my view of it was so tainted because I was introduced to it in a very unhealthy way, or it felt to me very unhealthy. So Understood. I had so much 
like I said, resentment. I couldn't read a, mm. a Rebbe's Sicha or a teaching of Correct. him without it bringing Correct. up emotions. Correct. And I'll tell you a, um, an experience I had on, uh, on uh, ayahuasca where it was very surprising to me, but it was actually what happened. I said, do you want to understand your resentment for your father? Wow. And I said, okay. You know, and it feels like a communication. I said, yeah. And I was pulled into a vision of me yelling at him and saying, you had to mess with Shabbos? Of all things, you had to mess with Shabbos? Wow. And I didn't expect that. It was very um, very unexpected. Like that would be the, the thing. But there was um, an understanding then, something that I picked up on as a child was that Shabbos was more stressful, right? In the 18 minutes, even in Crown Heights, there's an alarm that goes off. Oh, you grew up in Crown Heights? I grew up in Crown Heights, oh, yeah. Oh, wow. It was an alarm that went off. You know, they would take like the 18 minutes, and it was a to me it was oppressive. It was not a nice song. They should have played like a nice, right, beautiful right. song. It was it sounded like a bomb siren <laughs> that was going off, like Shabbos Crazy. is coming. And there was all this association um, with it, and I attributed that, I guess, uh, some of that to to my father and the way he wanted Shabbos to be practiced. That th it was there was a, a an oppressive quality to it, and mm. as a result, Shabbos. I don't think without that experience. Wow, I could have reconnected to Shabbos within a couple within a couple months of that experience. I said, you know, I'm going to put my phone away on Shabbos. Mm. And since then, it's been step by step, adding more and more. It's so it's so amazing. Shabbos. Until I saw a different definition, also because you start, you know, there's 39 laws of Shabbat, and every law has a subcategory. And you could be, I mean, almost you have to be like on, God forbid, <laughs> you you know, you touch the wrong thing, you, you're you know, muxik. It gets a little heavy. For for the average person, yeah, yeah. until I really understood the concept that when we say on Kid when we say kiddush, we we were ask we're taking asking God, thanking God for getting us out of slavery. The fact that I need to touch anything, or the fact that I need anything else, just not to be present on Shabbat, that itself is a slavery. So now it made more sense why you have to. Basically, the whole push is to get you into presence and right. really, really receive instead of thinking, you know, getting in the way of your own blessing. It's really a letting go technique, the Shabbat. It's, it's like letting go and letting God just get to a higher consciousness that day instead of being a slave to our phones, being a slave to everything. Right. I came across uh, a book by Ira Kaplan on, on Shabbos, and he described it, which... He's amazing, Ira yeah, Kaplan. which resonated with me. Is, there's a one day a week where we're not trying to manipulate creation. Everything is perfect just as exactly. it is. Anything that manipulates... I feel ahead. like we need more of the Arya Kaplans. Like Arya Kaplan, you know, he 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 wrote a lot of Rav Nachman's teachings. At the end, he, you know, he he definitely had a different way of uh, of explaining things. Um, I think like we need that for the young younger pe generation. In some ways, I think it's um, like psychedelics gives a certain consciousness of of that. It doesn't feel. It takes out any of the oppressive qualities for me of hmm. of Judaism because. You get an experience, a taste of it right. on a, on a much. Like this like a much more real level, much more real level. It's so funny because we, we, you know, tonight is going to be Shavuot, and this is pretty much. It, it feels like this experience, like the first night of Passover, we got that, we got that high, and then now we have to take four. Now we have to take forty nine days in order to get to the same high we got on the first night, which is which is an earned high. Not this just a, a gift. So it's right. funny how this is like God gives us like that boost. He gives you like a boost of where you could be, and then he takes it away because he wants you yearning. Right. So does this, does this, did psychedelics invoke yearning for you? Did it get you in, into a hungrier mode? Wow, you know what? I'm so interested for this 
because obviously after the, 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 that gift you get, now you have to really put it into action. Yeah, Did it make you hungrier in life? Did it make you seek more wisdom? It's definitely changed my path in a lot of ways. So then it's it did good for sense. you. It did good, but it's not without work. You know, and one, when I shared that experience of um, reconnecting with the Rebbe, the way I took it then was every single day I'm going to learn one page, and f- uh, one page of the Rebbe's teachings. And sometimes once you start a page, you're going to put it down. It's interesting, right? right? So you keep going. And for several weeks, I had that motivation without doing anything. Now it's not the same. I don't, I don't pick it up every single day. Got it. So if I do a couple times a week, it's, Got it. it's good. So, yes, it does take – there was that initial inspiration, Got which it. I didn't have to work. It was Got like, it. Got you know, it. My, my mind is reverberating with this. My whole body is rever- reverberating with this message. And now it takes an actual practice, and the enjoyment doesn't come until I'm a couple pages in. Right, but right. it's not an answer to go over. The, is it worth doing psychedelics again? No, you already got the clarity. It depends what. I don't do it uh, right. I, I find that certain people, there are risks. I mean, if you want to talk about that, I do s- find that certain people get lost there. Okay. Get lost there. Go well, there they a little bit. Back, yeah, keep, uh, going, keep on going back. Keep on going back. You can unpack an experience for a very, very, very long time. Right. There are, I had an experience the very first time Psilocybin, uh, which was, let's say, three and a half years ago, that I only unpacked this week wow. fully. I don't even say fully, that I started to understand some of it related to my sexual abuse, what was the mm-hmm. vulnerability the guy was uh, taking advantage of, how, ca- how I cannot bring that to my family. It was introduced to me then, but it wasn't until uh, much later. I mean, now. I heard, a, gr- I heard, a, gr- I heard a great concept, I believe by Joe Dispenza. Um, that he basically explains that whenever we go through an experience, there's an emotion afterwards, and we'll keep on replaying that emotion over and over and over again until we turn it into wisdom. Wisdom is the memory without the emotion. So, so the knowledge? The knowledge, the wisdom. For example, if right now you are clearly helping tons of people. I, I've gone through my own, my, my son passed away two years ago. Uh, you know, I've gone, through div- I've, gone through, I've gone through it all, but I, I no longer replay those things anymore in my life. Because I, I elevated it to wisdom, I elevated th- those experiences, so th- they don't they no longer bother me. They're now they're part of my life. They're, they're my right. So I would figure, for example, you went through this. Now you you know you've helped so many people. Why do you have to keep on going back there? You feel like to to heal. Like you feel like there's an unpart of no. Area. There is th- there isn't necessarily there isn't. But first of all, I know that I have a certain this. Responsibility, kind of, to open doors and see what's there, and um, you know, so there's more of like an exploratory part. Is there? Does mm. different medicines do different things? Okay. Right. And could we, you know, like recently I experienced a sweat lodge ceremony. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. There's no medicine involved with that. You just, but right. it is a ceremonial. I did it with the Lakota tradition, which um, uh, Lakota tribe, which um, Gabor Mate talks about in his mm. book. And you sit in a basically a. I don't know, a hot room for like two and a half, mm. three hours. Right. And it uh, brings you to a level of bittel that... Uh, <laughs> which ultimately, we're, yeah, all, we're getting to bittel. Uh, at the end of the day, we're all getting to... The goal here is to basically block out the ego that's stopping us from becoming our best self. Right. And some of that was for me to understand. It was something I was working on, but some of that was for me to understand, like, what is this offer that other things don't? Because I do right. talk about healing and growth. I am in in search of more. And then as I'll have a few experiences and then understand what it offers, then you start understanding, okay, this person, this is better for, this person, that's, that's, that's better for. Did you ever connect emotionally to prayer? Did you ever try, like, uh, it's one of do it, it's 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 do it. did you ever try that? It's, it's one of the messages I get repeatedly, like literally Because right, I feel like you could get so much of this through, like, a, through like really afterwards. going into Bittal. You know, afterwards. 
Right. So it, it depends. I'm, in my case, I don't think I could have. I don't think I could have. And the right. problem was that I was introduced to all of these concepts. I think it's very dangerous to introduce God to kids because mm. you can screw it up really badly. If the wrong, if right, if you're right. especially if your perspective is off, right? Yeah, I think in terms of recovery, like if when I sponsored people, like give me someone who didn't, because I have to introduce spirituality and godliness and uh, higher power to this person yeah. who's struggling with addiction. Give me someone who didn't grow up with any religion. Yeah, that's I have I a much easier that, time. I feel 100%. I feel that. It's because they, they're especially the religious. It's funny how in my recovery centers, you could see different sectors of Jews. They come in with different needs. Like like the Hasidic community in general, you'll see them. They didn't. They didn't. They, they lost their self in the community, and they they got you're not you're not this enough. You're not religious enough, and that's such a horrific experience. Yeah, and they heard they the word God. Correct. They turned to heroin, so they turned to heroin to get that love that they never got. Right. So you could see their own heroin. You see the Syrians or the more the um, the high. They're con- connected to cocaine. You know, they need that confidence. They need that. You know, oh, I feel like I'm just as rich as everybody. Oh, you see it. <laughs> There's no. I see it in my. I saw it personally. I see the different sectors. And is Chabad connected to uh, sex addiction? I see that. Uh, I see in general that is an issue that's untouched. That a lot of people don't talk about. I don't feel that Chabad talks on enough about this area where Rab Nachman is all over the place on right away. Hey, we all have this issue. Rab Nachman says, Hey, we all have this issue. And we're all prone to this, and this is what's causing us to be depressed, and this is where we're going to go when we're depressed. Right. Let me tell you how to help you. Where Chabad, I th- maybe again, I don't know. I'm not Chabad traditionally was staying away from it, I think. But Breslov goes heavy duty. Really? He goes, there's nobody, I think, that went into sadness and depression as much as Reb Nachman. Well, the Tanya talks a lot about But not about Reb Nachman, you're talking about almost every chapter. He's right. talking about the fight, for the fight for joy. It's almost like when you're when you're feeling joy, it's because you put work in. You're you're almost you're almost basically drawn to, to gravity of sadness. That's what he says. Right. So when you feel you sad, you're not, ki- you know, you're not knocking yourself uh, over your head, but you're you're doing things to get you out of it. But he also talks about the sexual struggle as well. He says everybody has it, and unless you pray to get out of it, you'll you'll have it. Yeah, this is like you, it's in, inside of you, basically. Right. This is my main message, and what I felt like I was missing. Growing Correct. up, as I thought I was alone in the struggle. No, right. That's and then only enough. to find out that everyone has it. Everybody has it, and and even c- came to a point where he said back then, seventy five percent. Why do you think he came out with the remedy for this issue? Because he saw that people were just so depressed over it, and he came out with the tikkun Klali to help people that did that did they did have these accidents, and he gave them a tremendous amount of hope for it. That's the whole, his whole two hundred fifty years ago. He knew he knew what the problem was. Right. So and he says three quarters of the world have it. So you're talking about seventy to eighty percent of the people have this. Right now it's even more. Now it's for, forget that's yeah. two hundred fifty years ago. Right now ninety nine ninety five before Instagram. So it's pretty much you have to ask yourself what are you doing for the situation? What are you doing? What, what are you doing practically to get you out of this? Have you seen that? Have you seen more Chabad people who deal with um, sex addiction? I've saw again in general. I see it's not touched. It's not emphasized. Not uh, it's okay. not. It's not spoken about. I'm a Chabad person, so right. It's not, not spoken. It's not spoken about uh, as much. Where Reb Nachman, it's, this is always right. all we speak about is, hey, this is our struggle. This is what we got to do. Understood. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. If every phone call that I get with people struggling, it's this is ninety percent of the issues, ninety five percent of the issues Porn. that people don't know. Sexuality. Porn yeah. sexuality, yeah. Right, because it's, uh, it's are you getting calls mostly from men who are looking to stop it, or women who are struggling with the fact that they're me- that men are doing it? Both, 
both. Because with singles, it's it's the guys the the guys not being able to to find their soulmates, uh, finding all kinds of difficulties, sadness, depression, and and again, I I went through that struggle. Um, so that's their number one struggle for sure. I mean, just think about it. Anytime you get something without working, it's going to lead you to shame. So who's so going to walk uh, who's going to walk around with with a guy, you know, with full of shame? So, so do you see psychedelics as that? As something that's uh, no. achieved without work, I, I, I not if the intention is to get a person um, a a boost. Like I recommended it, I had a friend of mine who just who just literally did it yesterday, and he I'm uh, he was stuck. I right. <laughs> I'm trying to tell him this therapy. He, he, these are people that have gone through therapy, that have tried, uh, and I was originally again against it, but I, I'm against maybe going ten times. <laughs> okay, this is what th you got the opening. Now you got to put the work in. Right. Okay. So let let me understand that because maybe that can be helpful. When you were more against it, what was your position? I, I didn't. Oh, uh, pretty much ignorance. Not not that I didn't right. know of enough about it, but I, I know the concept in Kabbalistic that if it's if it's something, for example, the Rebbe speaks about uh, marijuana, and he says if the awakening and he, he advised people not to smoke it. I'm very against marijuana. Right. Because again, you're alternating consciousness instead of expanding consciousness. So anytime that you are taking something and the awakening is coming from outside of you, it's never going to last. But if the awakening happens from inside of you, it will last. That's exactly what the Rebbe said, by the way, in his letter. That if the awakening, and, and actually it's a gem video, if the awakening comes from inside of you, then it's going to last. If it's awakening from outside of you, not necessarily or less. So, for example, this psychedelics gets you to a new Weed, attitude. Weed, I think, is very difficult. It's very different. You know, I've seen the more more bad than good. Yeah, same. I've I, seen, I don't know. I, I don't know of it in a therapeutic use. I'll tell you why. I mean, I've heard some things about people using it in a therapeutic way, but in general, well, most well, of what I've we seen. See is I, how about this? There's facilities that are licensed in, in Florida that are that weed assisted tr uh, therapy, and 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 the you. Nobody's getting healing. Right. It's how you're getting a license because it's harm reduction. So it's, it's just people are setting the bar really low. I, tr I tried one experience of that. Um, you know, just curiosity, even though I said early on I didn't, but I tried one in a more therapeutic capacity, doing it with the meditation and everything else, and I found it very chaotic. Yeah. I wasn't able to piece thoughts together. I wasn't clear. Very different than other experiences, which felt like it was bringing me more present. This right. was bringing me more... More chaos and scattered. scattered. Yeah. Yeah. Which so. is we ultimately, we, we, at the end of the day, we just want to get the bittel. Uh, you know, even, even Rab Nachman says, for example, it, that if you drink a little bit just to give you shuvadat, it, it's okay. And he says the difference between drinking good, you, it means alcohol itself cannot be all bad. That means if you drink a little bit, you know, the people would say, Lachaim, it expands the mind and it leads you to love. But if the alcohol is leading you to hate people, then it's, you're doing it the wrong oh, way. So it's not that there's there's obviously that we're all on the edge. We all need a, a little bit on, a little bit of. Uh, we need a break. We need a break. We need a lachaim sometimes. Um, but if it's if it's if it's used to open up your mind to get you to more clarity, yes. But if it's used to you know p avoid pain, that's the problem. Right. I I do have maybe a, a special place in my heart, so to speak, for for ayahuasca. And I think one of the reasons why, besides for it's where the most profound healing has come, and it could be because of mm. my problem, like Gabor Mate said. And again, I never had sexual. Yeah. I never. I've never been sexually abused or, or had this issue. So also I don't even. I can't even judge. Just addiction. I, yeah. Like there are studies. I give you an example. Gambling, but I, I can't judge somebody who's gone through that horrific experience. I mean, 
So maybe right. they, they, they are so stuck. You know, it's interesting that almost never came up for me on that. I'd, I'd healed most of the sexual abuse between right. EMDR and confronting my abuser. And by the time I got there, it wasn't like it never came up as an experience as something that's an unresolved trauma. The most that's come up is piecing together, which I mentioned earlier in this conversation, about what my vulnerability was mm. as a child and I see. what was missing in my home. And because I was raised in my home, what I have to make sure is in my home so that I, so that I don't. More of, more of a knowledge and awareness, but not like a, um, uh, not a, uh, not the trauma being healed. That felt like that was, that was already done. But in, in terms of ayahuasca, there's no known, as far as I know, there's no recreational counterpart for that medicine. Whereas a lot of other stuff, MDMA, there is psilocybin, there is a lot of people right. say I'll go to movies and take some mushrooms and I'll right. better experience ayahuasca. There's a certain sacredness that I, everyone I know approaches it with. And everything I've ever heard, I've never heard right. of someone saying, let me go to a festival and take some ayahuasca. Right. Like it would be the right. craziest thing. It's so intense, and uh, it, it, there's no way to control it, whereas other ones, it feels like you can direct it a little bit. This one, you're, you're thrown into right. its experience, and um, very, very profound, profound, profound healing I've seen with it. In terms of number of experiences, depends where someone is at. Depends where someone was at. I know a guy who's... Uh, struggling a lot with opioid addiction, mm. and he has a couple experiences. It's a little better. Another couple experiences, a little better. Better, but then he falls back. And right. uh, recently, he did something interesting where he went to a sixty or ninety day rehab. And as part of that, almost prepared himself and cleaned himself for ayahuasca. That's the last mm. I've heard from him. So after being completely in that space, then went and did ayahuasca. So he's not coming, you know, but street. And we'll see. We'll see if it sticks. But mm. If someone needs more, they need more. You know, how many meetings does someone need? How many therapy sessions someone needs? That's what. That's the whole thing. It's hard to say. I mean, uh, ultimately, um, our sages tell us that uh, th our job in life is not to understand evil; it's to overcome it. So, if, uh, just uh, in that context, I mean, I'm not supposed to understand. I mean, that's what bittul is. I don't have to understand everything that happened. Sometimes I just have to overcome it, right. and I think that's that's the tikkun. The tikkun is, I mean, today is mahut shabamahut, which is you know. Ultimately, the building that responsibility and, 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 and giving the glory to God. But I've always, that's always in my life. It's, I don't have to always understand everything. And you're I connecting to that to what? It. In general, in life, for example, you know, if you, know, you go through an abuse, you go through situations. That sometimes we go, hey, wh why did this happen? How could I have Oh, it's a this? terrible question to ask. Yeah. yeah. I, I have to overcome it. Like, you know, I l that's really my goal in life. What, what is my goal in life is really to overcome these things. Because otherwise, I'm still controlled by that event. Right. Yeah, I'd probably use the language uh, get through it versus overcome, but. Right. Yeah. But are you overcome it by becoming much bigger? Yeah, I think there's a destination that's possible to arrive to, which is that if I was given authority over my own story, I would add that chapter in it. Hmm. And I think I've seen people get to that destination, and I've got there myself with with sexual abuse. Ironically, there are stuff that happened six months ago that are much smaller that I'm still, that Correct. I'm struggling with. Correct. Right, those things are bugging me. I wouldn't add it to my story. Right. So it means more work needs to be done. So as far as prayer, you haven't really tried something like really hard, hardcore self. self I don't know hardcore self, but it's definitely been a repeated message for me. Like mm. there's two, like within Judaism, right? I, and I find this, it's for different people. Yeah. Right? Different people need different things more intensely. Uh, but on plant medicine experiences, the two that have come, the two like Jewish things that have come up the most are Shabbos wow. and prayer, like repeatedly, repeatedly, Incredible. repeatedly. And it's uh, the importance of daily prayer. So, and it showed me to do it 
you know, not just Chabad style. I mean, like Chabad style, I don't mean Chabad, a lot of people right. like Chabad outreach style, you know, which I was sure, doing for a long sure. time, just put on tefillin quickly, say the prayer and put it down. I said, no, take a talis, take a, make a space, set aside time, do this. And it actually connected in my case to, I've been dealing over the last six months with like a mild physical illness, like mono that keeps coming back up mm. and it connected it for me. Wow. I said, do daily prayer and then the, the stuff that's affecting you, that's weighing you down, you'll have a daily opportunity to, to clean you out. It's funny because uh, Rabbi, Na- Rabbi Nachman says that prayer changes your energy, change, renews your energy. And the fact is really, if we think about why we are, uh, why we're holding things in the first place, is because we're not, if we prayed for it, we just let it go. We would elevate it to God. Like the weight of life, when we hold on to things in life, when we hold on to fights, this weighs us down. Right. Through prayer, you get a new consciousness, and uh, specifically his bodhidut, talking to God. I mean, I, that's the number one thing that changed my life. Really. I'll, t- I'll tell you something uh, interesting. Like but without tikkuna brit, you can't get the prayer. You understand? Same so more. first you need to fix the brit part. To get the first you need to, to fix the sexuality part, which kabbalistically is yisod, to get the prayer. Right, meaning but if that's in the way of you won't get the prayer because you won't even access it. Yeah, because you, you you'll have too much shame. The whole purpose is if I have too much shame, I'm never going to even approach God. So why even pray? You you pray at a broken heart. You pray, pray you that. pray to help to help not to, not to get that shame anymore to be able to right. earn to earn the light. Um, and I find that different people have. For example, I'm a very emotional person, so for me, prayer came easier. Are you are you like an earth sign? Taurus. Yeah, you're not, you're 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 like deep earth, <laughs> so it's hard to for earth signs. So hard, they're har- much harder to open up emotionally. Right. To pray, prayer did not come naturally to me. No, because you're you're a very logical yeah. person. You're give me the solution, let me fix it. Yeah, I'll tell you. Uh, so I'll, t- I'll tell you something. Mu- not that you got understand yeah, the yeah, issue. No, it's definitely not something that was the first thing that. Yeah, to, it's Taurus to, uh, to pray. Th- they're like very. They're earth. They're stuck. <laughs> Do you understand? It's like Scorpios don't even think like that. We we're we're very emotional. We connect to intensity and emotions, etc. So it's easier. To it's much ex- easier to do that. Much easier to express in prayer, because of your emotional, you have that emotional. You're much more emotional. Yeah, it's definitely not my natural um, place to to go to prayer, which is why it may be right. so important. I mean, for that me. could be the tikkun. Right, exactly. So I'll share so I'll share something with you. Sure. So this um, this last summer, I had. Um, like something with my children where they ended up in the locked room, young children, three and two, and like the bathtub overflowed. So I kind of felt like, wow, there's a close call. I should do something. Right. Saying, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? Okay. I felt like I had to do something, like a giving of thanks. And I made a donation to an organization, but it still didn't feel right. It felt undone. It felt un- incomplete. Right. And um, when I meditated on it, the thought that came up was I should pray daily. Wow. And it didn't feel right. It didn't feel enough. Like, what do you mean? That's my, that's my thank you. It's so, like, I would give a gift to someone else. I'd give a gift to God. Like, let me give a donation somewhere. That was my right, instinct. Man. So I heard it, but I didn't do anything with it. And then on an ayahuasca experience, I decided, like, no, that's the thing to do. Like, that is exactly wow. the thing. The thing for them, like, you want to do thank you? Because that personal relationship that developed through prayer with a, an individual and God, with myself and God, that's the gift. That's 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 the gift for for you for right. God for the world. That's it. Korban it doesn't have to, to be. Korban so for me, that. like you're saying, like the logically, was okay. I want to say thank you. I'm going to give something to someone else. That was the the thought. Right. And even though it came up for me in meditation, 
I was able to push it away. But during uh, an ayahuasca ceremony, you don't get to push away. But the whole, the whole point, the whole point of, of all of this is is getting into bittel. Hundred percent. I mean, that's if you were told me, okay, what's the mission statement we got to do? We get out of this issue and turn it into growth. Getting into bittel, getting 100%. into surrender, 100%. and prayer surrender. Or getting it, getting into the breath, right? Just yeah, but same, all that, yeah, all that, all that. You know, I spoke about today on my podcast that um, you know, came home from the heat game super late. <laughs> you know, woke up late, so I said, you know what? Let me go back to the fields. I, I specifically remember when I uh, when I started doing his bodhidut. I was I also didn't I, I read Ram Nachman's teachings for ten years. I did not do his bodhidut because it was it was just right. I was more into the head, and then got a divorce. My son had cancer. It was just life completely just went crazy. It got so bad that it forced me into prayer. I always love that line that um, prayer doesn't get you out of trouble. Trouble gets you into prayer. Right. Yeah, I've seen you say that too. And uh, that got me. And I went to go visit those fields uh, yesterday. You say fields? I went. I, I specifically went before I had my podcast. I had much more time. Now I give it. But before, right after prayer, I would pray sunrise. And I would go strictly to the, I would go to these fields in Aventura. Okay. There's this, there's a field, there's a park because Rabbi Nachman advised to go to fields because you get yeah nature you get energy from the nature. The reason why is because when you're connected to nature, people's thoughts are not in the way. The more I'm connected to nature, the more the, the less the place is secluded. For example, there's an energy in a person's house. You walk into an energy. Oh, this, there's yes. a great energy in the house. Oh, terrible energy. Our our thoughts create energy. Right. So the places that are secluded don't have that negative energy. So it's easier for us to open up. For example, yeah. I'll go and pray at the same location all the time because I built that positive energy there. Understood. Right? So, and I went back to the battlefield. I remember, I said, I remember, now, I, now I do the same thing both do in my backyard in the water. But I said, this is my battlefield. It took me six months to get answered in his bodhidut. But it took me six months. Imagine doing something for six months not getting answered and and then after that my whole life changed completely. The answer was? The answer was everything got resolved. I, my my mind opened. Gotcha. It was an ex- you before before all these things were out. Back then no question I would have done I, w- I would have done something. Because <laughs> right. I was so stuck but there was nothing else but what are you going to do? There's no other options. Yeah. You know now you have more other options I think to help people get get that opening. And that's all there is, you know. That's that's my main message. Yeah. Whenever I'm talking about it, is that um, it should just be considered like you would consider anything else. Correct. Right? Correct. I'm not saying yes. I'm not saying no. But all of these hangups we have around. There was a time where there was a lot of hangup around therapy. There was a time there was a lot Correct. of hangup around twelve steps. Correct. Now there's a lot of hangup around psychedelics. Like let's let's get that out of the way, and then we have right. everything on the table, and we right. see what's best. It's not going to solve everything. But it does. It it it. it the key is afterwards. Is re- really the work afterwards. Hundred yeah. percent. Hundred percent. That's and what I, I want to clarify. It's not. This is just the the opening. You get the preview of the movie, and then you got to make the movie. Sometimes you get gifts. Sometimes it feels like you get gifts where something is resolved completely, and that won't come back. Right. Right. Or sometimes you see something and you can't unsee it. But ninety ninety five percent of the time. Uh, you get the opening, and then you got to walk through the door. You, you got to do through the work. Door. And I think that over time, you know, if you compare this use here, the way we use it, versus the way it's used, let's say in, um, you know, in the Amazon or in other cultures, mm-hmm. is there's a community around it. So one of the difficult, and I, I hear less people talking about it, though, one of the difficult aspects of psychedelics is that it introduces you to a reality, a reality that can often be very different than your own. So you start walking mm-hmm. around, and you don't feel like you're on solid ground. So 
one way to deal with that is to have a community of people who are mm. experiencing some of these same things, especially if you have a very materialistic life and you start seeing some of the, these dimensions or realities. Right. It just it throws everything. It could potentially throw everything into question and could be very destabilizing, and I've seen it many times. What I'm hopeful for is over time that communities are built around this. If you think about the 12 steps, for example, yeah. you have the AA, the big book, but there's only so far it's going to take you without a right. group of people who are reading this and applying it. Right. So it's like, okay, you had this vision. How are you applying it? And that's where, I mean, you see you see cer certain people get lost, right? They want to live in Bali for the rest of their life. Right. They want to disconnect from reality. You, still have a, you have a broken vessel. You have to rebuild it with, but it has to be with a tzimtzum. Correct. With a constant contraction. Because if you, you, any vessel that doesn't have, has too much light will eventually break again. That's one good way of looking yeah. at it, is that some people are getting way too much light without the too vessel. Too much light. Uh, you know, sometimes and you the vessel doesn't always have to be themselves. The vessel can be the people around them. Then you see people in actually it. that come back from Uman, or that or the, or the reconnected Rabbi Nachman, and there's many people that don't have vessels. You know, they'll, they'll go, they're, they're dancing 24 hours a day, and then next thing you know, Rosh Hashanah comes, they're sleeping on the floor. Right. So there <laughs> there's a, you always, that's one of the biggest messages Rabbi Nachman uh, Rabbi Nathan spoke about is when you get the light, you have to make sure you contract the light, because if the co light is not contracted, not, number one, it cannot be sustained, and you'll you'll just break the vessel and go backwards. Right. So any light that I get, I try to, you know, I think I I think big, but I plan small. Because if it's, it's we're, we're, if we're trying to get something before it's time, sometimes it, it won't be good for you. Yeah, I think even even about terror, right? It says uh, it says in the Gemara that it could be samachaim or samamavis. Hundred percent. Right. So what are those aspects that get us to use it appropriately? And I, obviously, the same is with uh, what less powerful tools, psychedelics. Gabriel Matz's books, I, I read. Uh, I mean, a lot of his a lot of his stuff is, is really, really. Uh, I mean, his language is really amazing. Um, but one of the, one of my favorite lines, which is uh, which is so true. Running away from pain is what's causing more pain. Okay. So I would I would figure out this is where Amuna comes in. Like ultimately, any any attempt based on that line, any attempt to stop the growth process, is what's causing the pain. Right. Correct. You're either facing life or running away from life. Those are the only two choices. Correct. So that's that. That's where I think we have, we have Hasidus and we have Chachma Bin and Dad, the real CBD, <laughs> to get to get us to the next level. Right, I think one That's of That's my opinion. Uh, so I'll tell you where, the, where I think your opinion falls a little short is because your personal experiences are different than people who were introduced to it. So if I understand mm. your story correctly, okay. is the water wasn't tainted for you. No, it was not. So you can no. read a book of Rab Nachman, you can read a book of Chassidus and not have your third grade teachers yelling at you. Wow. <laughs> right? That vision in your head. And that's what, that's what, so, many that. that's what so many people are missing. And that's why... So what do you do with this? What do you do if your if your vision? How, how do you start untainting? But just actually, it's very true, by the way, because I, I didn't I don't I don't sometimes I don't understand. Okay, wh what do you mean? Because you're right, I didn't have those. You didn't have the trauma. I had associated. not. I had, had none of it. Associated. Which is which is better. Listen, I've wondered for myself, like with my own kids, like what would what would be better? You know, this idea of just I've struggled with which school to put my kids into. Is right. a Jewish school better or not? Do I want to introduce and ruin it for them, wow. or give them an opportunity? To approach it th to approach it themselves, I think that a that sensitivity around it is like just introducing kids to Judaism, introducing kids to God is not by itself a good thing. 
it's good if done correctly. It's harmful if done incorrectly. Okay. And this happens every single person in recovery I know who grew up religious. So you've had you see that I've that seen it with myself. I have trend. to get over when when I saw I came into recovery and I said the the the, the, the door in recovery is like but a their dog version, door. Right? You have to come their and version of God. I mean, it's their of course, version of God. Of sure. course. So I, I came in personal experience, right? I came yeah. into meetings and I was desperate, desperate, desperate. Why? So I couldn't stay faithful. I was in a relationship. I couldn't stay faithful. So I needed help. I, I was in therapy. I tried different things, stuff that I used to get over sexual abuse, EMDR and other stuff was not working for the addiction. The obsession was just way too strong. So I'm introduced to meetings. And I see the first step admitted uh, we're powerless over addiction. Our lives have become unmanageable. Okay, no problem. But I saw on the wall the other steps. I remember seeing step three, the word God. And I had to fight everything just to sit mm. in the chair mm. and say, okay, I'm not up to step three. I don't know what it says. I don't understand what it means. It's a word I heard before. I'm not going there. Right now I'm up to step one. Because mm. what did I see? What I saw in the room was people were happy. I saw people if you go to meetings. It's actually, they're often very funny. Yeah. They go to recovery meetings. People are saying jokes all the time. Right. So I'm going to this place. It's a heavy conversation, but I see a lot of lightness. I see a lot of peace. I want what they have. But I was triggered by these words. Got it. And I remember when I got to step two or step three and I started you know, sharing about this, one of the things I said is that currently my uh, feelings about God is that if he exists, I hate him. Mm. Now, how did I get that? How did I get to there? You call him my quote, but I was introduced to God. You know, Hashem is but here, you, Hashem you is there, Hashem is truly you, everywhere. You still had anger, right? You had anger Tons of anger. Of and a lot of it was to God. Right. A lot of it was to religion. So I had to unlearn all of that in order to reapproach. So what you're talking about, Chachma Bin Adas, Chabad, he spoke this. Right. Nachman, that's, a high, that's a whole different ballgame, right? You weren't, your water wasn't tainted. You can come, approach right. it from your life, read a book, see the beauty in it, and everything's okay. You think Gabor Mate's son is reading his books with the same authenticity and Correct. sincerity that you and I are? He's reading, and it's bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. He doesn't right. practice this. He doesn't right. practice that. That's what it, I don't know, it feels like I spoke to, da I spoke to Daniel Mate. Right. So I'm saying that was... Hmm. Uh, it's kind of the that, same. That's exactly what it, our, our, our consciousness of God changed. You know, one of the things that really helped me on a conscious level is David Hawkins' book, Let It Go, which is not a Jewish book. But it, 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 it is that book. Somehow I have to try to make it take Hasidus into it, bring Hasidus into that book, which is which one, of my, one of my goals. But the whole point is, is telling you, you are your whole personality is based on whatever you hold on to. So if you're holding on to anger, you're going to view life as anger. You're going to view God as angry. Yeah. Until you let go of that, you'll never see your your relate. Basically, your relationship with your Creator changes based on your relationship with your consciousness. You cannot never a person who's full of love can never hate God because he's he, he's just channeling God. But before we access that, we correct, have to heal correct. all of our have to heal. resentments and traumas. And there was a lot that I was able to do through twelve steps. There was a lot that I was able to do through right. recovery, and then I hit a wall. And then I hit a wall. Because when you say it in God's name, it's a little bit tougher to overcome. You kind of need bigger tools to not. Did you ever? Up. Did you ever understand the concept of re with that resistance is actually teaching us what we need to do? I've heard that, but what's the relevance of this? What's your? It, it basically, that that could have been like, for example, you 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 the, the prayer itself that you you keep on mentioning that I keep on hearing prayer. Yeah. Go hear prayer. You heard it a bunch of times. Yeah, recently. So recently I'm saying this is this is like the, the, the call from heaven. Yeah, yeah, and I can see that. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. The, uh, I remember having a friend who said, I, I hate working, you know, certain kind of yes. machines in the gym. Like, I hate doing these. Correct. These exactly. Exercises. Same right. concept. Like that's exactly. That's what to do. It's funny because my, my trainer will specifically, he'll completely change every single workout. 
because he says the minute you start getting comfortable in one position, uh, you'll never come here where you're not going to lose your breath. And I'm going to make sure you do it. And he tells right. it to me specifically because he wants to shock the muscles all the time. It's not this is it's not easy because you, you, there's so much of a resistance, there's so much pain, you know. Right, but you finally get comfortable, and then it knocks you. It knocks you out. <laughs> the minute you thought, okay, I know what he's going to do now, he all of a sudden changes right. the game. But think about it. We, we love sports, right? We all watch sports. The whole thing is changing the game plan. Right. Audibles. Every, like, yeah, right. it's, you, you, if you don't do that, then you're predictable and you lost. Right. So it's like we, we, that's what Rav Nachman always says. We have to change our garments all the time because the Yetzirah goes after you. He knows who you're going to be, but if you change your garments. What you does he mean by that? Basically, when you recreate yourself. We have Hasidus gives us the Rav Nachman says that a person always can say tomorrow. Let's say I, I let's say I decide to myself that there's a Gemara that says that if a person could be married on account that he's the tzaddik, that means the guy could be a completely rasha or low life, but he can get married because he says I'm going to be a tzaddik, and the marriage is good. The fact that you can declare something and have intent and have desire, you can you can become a new person. So we can always recreate right. continuously renewal. Exactly. Right. Like the breast of drink, it's called seven up. Because it, there's so much falling down spiritually. I feel great this morning. I feel like crap this afternoon. I gotcha. Re reinvent yourself constantly. Right. And that's, oh, that's tremendously helped me. Yeah, when people say I talk about healing or um, therapy or stuff like that, I don't feel like I'm talking about it. I feel like I'm talking about life. Right, exactly. Right. Right. Correct. Correct, exactly. Yeah, I, I don't know how to separate the... And also, you have to be two. aware also of the fact that you're a Taurus. You know, the, you have to understand the name. You know, one of the things that Rav Cook speaks about all the time, that the highest level of spirituality is to understand oneself. Like, when I understood myself and I worked on, oh, my God, I'm a very... I have a lot of intense energy. I get very resentful quickly. I have a lot of anger. You know, I worked on those issues individually. And then once you release that, the real you comes out. Right. For example, if you know, you, you know, if you tell yourself, you know, I'm going to work on not being stubborn. I'm going to be open to suggestions, right? That that opens up things. You understand? For example, you you're familiar with people in the rooms. Every every addict comes into a facility with tons and tons and tons of stuff that they're holding. They've been holding on for years. 100%. We agree, right? Yeah, Nobody's coming in there. Uh, they so wouldn't be. It, it's that especially because they're bottling bottling up. There's no, nobody that comes in the door. That doesn't have like years and years of resentment, for, uh, lack of forgiveness, and and the whole point is getting them to let go one at a time. Right. So it's not like we have to do more. I think we have to let go more. Right. There's a book on recovery. Drop the rock. Should actually be called Drop the Rock. Correct. Correct. So what do you? What does your daily ritual look like nowadays? What do you do on good days? What do you do on rough days? How, how do you get yourself in a good state when you when when you don't have the well, first of all, I do use prayer. Okay. Right? Um, what is work for you? What is not work for you? Everything is one. Uh, is one is one mix. Uh, I run a business. Okay. Right, electronic distribution business. At the same point in time, I do a lot with the podcast, and as a result of that, I a lot of people reach out. Beautiful. So I don't. I don't really make a distinction. If I'm at work, I don't. I have two days a month that I focus on the podcast, but in general, if I'm You're working. One email could be a person asking for help. The next one can be how to price a product. And the next one can be it's all it's all one thing. It's all one thing. There's no, there's no distinctions. You find like you you since doing the podcast, you're getting a lot of reflected light. The podcast itself, there's both. There's a lot of benefits to it. A lot of relationships, a, a lot of relationships that are developed. 
but there's also a, a responsibility that it mm. it comes with. You know, I find that um, it, it definitely attracts. Like we, w- with everything, there's pros and cons, and uh, um, I found that I need to be careful about ways it could be used or misused. Right. You know, right. things that are said that can be misunderstood. Right. Etc. I've, I've in had general, to, I've had to. You'll, you'll get to. <laughs> I've been doing this already six, seven years. You'll, you'll see. And sometimes you're, you're going to have to become yourself. There's many people that told me, oh, you can't talk about <laughs> You pay me, you can tell me what to talk about. <laughs> right. you, you don't pay me, I'll talk about what exactly. So at the end of the day, you're going to get, if you're, not, if, you're not, if you're speaking the truth, you're going to get some negative feedback. Right. But again, this is an opinion. This is, we're basing on, you like it, you don't like it. End the story. Right. What I found is something important. I actually had a conversation with someone about it last week on my podcast. Is, you know, j- let's say I'm not in a great place. And I have a conversation with someone. Okay, so I've affected one person with a little bit Correct. of my negativity that I'm uh, vibrating that day. But if I do it on a podcast, like this lives, this lives forever. So I found the importance of continuously mm. being at a Higher in state. a much better place. Like how important that is in order to. Uh, yeah, but it's, you also have to be to recognize. It's also good to show up on the day where this is. Um, you know, as long as I'm willing to go there. Correct. If I'm speaking from that place. Then it's no problem. But if I'm speaking from I a place understood. of uh, <laughs> let me tell you what to do, you know I don't like to talk right, that instructing way. People, right, right, exactly. And right. I'm not in a good place. Right. But you know, Rav Nachman would never instruct people what to do. He would just recommend people what to do. Right. Absolutely. You know, because people people when, when they're you know, there's a story about um, the Turkey Prince. I don't know if you heard the story. It was a p- basically a guy who decides to be a he was a prince and he started acting like a turkey. And little by little, he lost his self-esteem. Next thing you know, they called every doctor, every psychologist, and to the point where they brought a sage, and the sage got underneath the table and started taking off his clothes. And little by little, he helped him get off the table. The whole point is, people with low self-esteem, they don't want to be told what to do. So you pretty much have to give them examples. You have to give them stories. You have to give them... uh, It's a a whole science to it. Um, Because when a person is in a very low place... Just like, for example, imagine a guy sleeping for three hours and uh, three three days in, in a hotel room, and you open up the shades and say, "Wake up!" <laughs> it can the uh, the light can right. actually blind them more. So you have to have a lot of patience, and really, really get them to make the decision, and just give them enough of a story to give them to wake them up. Right. It also has to come when I find, especially with with the addiction, sometimes we can look at someone and say, "Stop this behavior, stop that yeah. behavior," but we don't always know what it's. Protecting, we've all adopted these behaviors in order to avoid a worse reality. Right. So I have a friend whose um, his parents reached out to me. He was addicted to weed. They're like, he's got to stop smoking weed. He's got to stop smoking weed. But anytime I saw him stop smoking weed, he got so depressed to the point of mm. suicidal. So the answer wasn't to keep smoking weed. Of course not. The answer was to deal with to the anxiety. What's right. what what's underlying it? Why did he feel so meaning? Why did he feel so little meaning? Why did he feel so so little purpose? And in his case what I saw is that he felt forced to live a life that wasn't truly his. And as he developed the confidence, right. as he's developing the confidence now to live a life that feels more like him, the weed use has dropped by 90%. Yeah. But just to right. tell someone, you stop smoking weed. What is it doing for you? Might have you? a guy jump off a building. Right. Like what, is right. It, what is it doing in for In his you? case, I think it was keeping him alive. Wow. So, and I think in many cases, it's very easy to stand from here and tell someone else but what everything to do. But I think everything is literally rooted in, in the childhood behaviors. I mean, something that happened in childhood. For example, my, I grew up as my, my parents got divorced. I came here at eight years old my, with my single mother. 
Next thing you know, my, my mother wasn't didn't have any money. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> who's going to pay my bills? <laughs> I, I got to start working. Right. So I had a very, very aggressive, you know, get rich or die trying attitude. Um, and that led me to try to, you know, do, you know, I did parties, so I was doing parties, et cetera. It led me to gamble. And the reason why I was gambling is because I said net worth equals self-worth. So if I don't make money, I'm, I'm a nobody. And that got me to my gambling addiction. But if I understood myself, I got to I would never have been there. Right. So the work wasn't really to stop gambling Correct. as much as it was but to. But it, it taught me that. What do, you, what do you need to? Why do I need to go prove to people that I had money or not? It, it, that was a, it was low self worth. And also, you probably issue. needed that lesson in that way. No question about it. Right. You need no to lose question. a good amount of money gambling. No question. No question. Every, every you weren't going to read God, in a book. If once a person gets connected to his higher power, to God, th there's nothing more. There's there's no greater relationship than you than you can have, and I think with kids itself, the the number one emphasis is, and Rav Nachman said it first be happy then be religious, because if you're trying to be happy, if you're trying to be religious without happiness, you'll you're, you're not going to get anybody. First be happy then be religious. I think this is very. I think that's the key. I think this is very important. Anything with anything with Judaism has to be associated to joy. If it's not associated to joy. Then there's a problem. Then there's a problem. That's what Nachman says. Rab Nachman says. Yeah. First, be joy, happy, then be religious. It is. It is a problem. Sometimes the seriousness and heaviness and intensity no that question. is often no accompanied with. If religion. that is not the main emphasis, joy, then because joy is amuna, joy is joy is shchina. You don't have joy, then whatever you're doing, it's not really not not real Judaism. How do you understand? It's religion. It's a fear. It's a fear. There's even Rav Cook. I, I don't know if you've read Rav Cook's books. I haven't, no. But if you read Rav Cook's books, it's exactly up around. It's, it's the Gaber Mate on steroids in the religious way. Oh, yeah. But his way of thinking was, it was it's just another What language world. are they? Huh? English. English? Oh, yeah. He has English books. But Rav okay. Cook's teachings, it's, it's exactly the consciousness. And many people were against them. But if you read Rav Cook's books, you'll find exact similarities to what you like, the open-mindedness. I guess it's a good thing to have people against you. Do you have people against you? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. But I, no, <laughs> again, nothing... Right. If, if I, 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 I tell people very simple. I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to educate you. If you want me to entertain you, we can have 20 girls here in a park. This is not entertainment. This is education. And I would want the same thing when I was here to tell me. I want to be educated. I don't want to be entertained right now in my life. Right. Bottom line, is it making me better or am I getting entertained out of it? So unless you're entertaining people all day long, you won't piss anybody off. But if you're educating people, you're going to be for people off. Right. Obviously, you're saying something that they don't know. Otherwise, there would be no reason to say Or, or there will be a resistance that something bothers them. And if there's something bothering them, you should be okay. And I always tell people, I, I remember my LA class, guys, if you walk out of this class with not, without a little nausea, that means I'm not doing a good job. I want you to be a little nauseous. <laughs> I want you to be a little nauseous. Like a, a purgative, right? I want you to be a little nauseous because the little nauseous means, oh, I don't like that. It's right. bothering me. I need to Maybe change get it. someone to throw up during the class. That's uh, I need to change it. Right. If I'm too happy, that means I'm not touching any, I'm not touching any any nerves. So the fact that you are bothered a little bit, it's actually I did my job. If I didn't mm -hmm. do it, then I'm just entertaining you. You can have a moti here. You can have a comedian here. <laughs> I understood. How do you understand fear of punishment? You know, the Rambam says that one of the principles of faith is 
right. belief that uh, reward and punishment exists. I'll, I'll tell you, there's ac- this actually the real definition that I found the other day, w- which blew my mind, blew my mind, and I, and, and I just read it a couple, uh, c- maybe a couple months ago. God has two operating systems. God's ways is always to look at the good of a person and see everything he does is for the good. And he, he, he really, really looks away from things that you do bad. Now, let's say you don't want to do anything good. He doesn't punish you. What he does is he leaves you up to nature, which is actually kindness. You understand? If, if your son decides, God forbid, if your son decides to be in your house, he has to grow in your house, and he sees the love that you have for him. Obviously, you're not enabling him. But should he decide to leave, he's no longer under your jurisdiction. Now he's up to the Natural streets. consequences. He's no, up to natural consequences, but it's right. not. A, you're not punishing him. You're, he's punishing himself by leaving. Now, if you want to go live a life of natural consequences, that's up to you. That's up to you whether you decide that that's the right life for you. So that's the way you see, right? It's the absence of something. It's not correct. Punishment. Correct. Correct. It's an abs- darkness is just an absence of light. So the fact that I have this, um, so punishment. It's, for example, he'll say, Reb Nachman will say, if a person trusts in God, he has divine supervision if not he has fallen fears so the fallen fears is the paranoia of oh my god this is going to happen this is that's enough of a punishment because right. <laughs> you you now you're i don't have that divine supervision anymore it's often what we'll say with but it has nothing to do with god it has right. nothing to do with god you understand that's that i never understood the the, the verse in the, in the torah that says i god do not change what do you mean god did not change how could it not change Yes, I'm there. I'm I'm God. I'm Yerkei Vavke. Now, if you decide to go under, if you decide to leave me, then then you're unto natural consequences. But natural consequences, nature is affecting you. It's not God. He leaves you to that nature. And and when someone is choosing a godly path, you're saying that then they're under the protection. Then he has then he has to assume that everything that's happening is for his benefit. It's either to make him grow, to cleanse. It's not punishment. We always say what, what God calls, what we call, what God calls love, we call punishment. I could say my whole life that I have seen nothing but, but good things that c- came after anything that was done for me. It, it's a cleansing. It's a, you know, sometimes I, I remember losing $4 million when I was 23 years old, 24 years old, investing in these in people who I was an idiot. But that was not, that was love. Because after that, I never invested in another person again. <laughs> So that's love. It's and not you said punishment. You did what? Invest in yourself. Invest in myself. Period. Never again will I trust you. You you taught me one time. Never again will I ever ever. You won't invest in anyone. I will not invest in anybody unless I know everything about it because I I that lesson stayed with me and it, and it took my my kishkas out of me. It took my not twenty four. I was t- t- thirty one, I think, at that time. And it 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 it, it taught me a lesson. You didn't trust yourself. No, I just don't. I don't. Right. I don't know the business. I don't know it. And if I don't need a partner, if God stocks? doesn't have a partner, I don't need a partner. <laughs> <laughs> you'll invest in stocks. In stocks, I'll invest. Right. Invest those, but in individuals, business deals. Unless I know everything about the business, everything I know about the business, I will not do it. Right. I just. I. I it's that lesson. So you. So you got a four million dollar education. Correct. It's one of the best. Correct. <laughs> so is that, is that is that a punishment? You have a diploma on your wall. Right? Is that yeah. a punishment? No. If you're sitting here okay now, then no. Correct. It's right. not a punishment. And, and many things in my life. So that's that's where I look at it. I, the, 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 
that's what I'm trying to explain to you. Very important that if we have a very dysfunctional relationship with our Creator, that could screw up everything. We need to look at our Creator's ain't self, unlimited love. Anything besides that is just our perspective of it. You know, the Zohar says this: the God is there according to your gates. Meaning, your gates are perspective. <laughs> Understood. Your relationship with God is based on your sharim, your gates. Your gates are perspective. Yeah. Baal Shem Tov also has something like that. He says okay. that in the Pasuk, like Chesed Hashem Yisrael Veno. Okay. He explains that if we believe that God is Chesed, then we're surrounded by Chesed. Correct. But if we believe He's Din, then Correct. we're surrounded by that aspect of Correct. Uh, but uh, But with kids, I would definitely, um, I, I don't think secular schools is the answer either. I mean, I, I don't know who, who the, you know, who who knows what's what they're teaching people. 100%. Yeah, I don't think that's no, the answer. No, it's not. I'm not, comfortable yeah. with it. I'm not comfortable with it. I'm just. You know, if if we're crossing a street, right? right but I hear what you're saying. I'm, I'm I'm not saying what the decision is. No I'm question. I'm offering some, I'm offering something else. If we're crossing a street, we should be conscious of the fact that there are cars that are driving fast that could hit us. Doesn't mean to cross Absolutely. or not to cross. Absolutely. It's just we should understand the risks we are taking when we are introducing God to children. A lot of good can happen there, and a lot of bad can happen there. It's not a riskless no scenario just because you think a rabbi told you it's Absolutely. the right thing to do. If it's the bad experience, in the bad. I have family members that have had that they can't that that married out of religion because they they were nauseous, so nauseous of the experience that they had as Judaism that they married out. They married out. They okay. had nothing to do with it. And I'm like, listen, let me help. But they're not. They're just shut. They, they don't have anything to do with it. When but when they say Kiddush Hashem or Chil Hashem, correct, correct. and it's not correct, it's a real thing. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's it's a, a huge thing. It's a real thing. It's a very scary. By the way, it's very scary. It's very scary because you cannot be a good educator if you're not a happy person. You cannot. I- it's very scary because people's yeah. moods and how and their view of religion, their their religion, and and it could. Be, it's a very scary. And I see this because I I'm like, you know, when I go into Uman, I see all these ex Hasidic guys coming to. I said, I got you guys back. <laughs> yeah, we, we we had a very dysfunctional relationship with our creator. You helped us bring us back. Tons, tons, and tons. The amount of times I've seen it in 12 steps where people who left yeshiva and they were viewed as, oh, these guys don't care. They're lazy. They're disinterested. And suddenly they find a godliness in recovery and they're the most passionate, the most sincere, the most... No question. You know. I think Shays Tab talks a lot about that. He's really gotten to what yeah, he yeah. saw. That how many people have in twelve step meetings have had more spirituality than synagogues? I remember a talk where he said he said if I hear one more story from a kid who found a god in the church basement, when they sat in yeshiva for twenty years, it's pretty scary. It, it's yeah, it's, it's awful. Especially when you're laying out t- and the 20, work is 30, to unlearn forty thousand dollars of of money in, in these tuitions and you get into this yeah. kind of experience. The work and and the work often is to to unlearn. You know, it said if not for the Torah, we would learn about God from nature. We'd learn about God from animals. We don't need much to teach about God, right? Correct. You just stand there looking yeah. at an ocean, you're going right. to believe that God exists. But if you were told Correct. about God from Correct. when you were one, two, three years old and you had negative experiences. Or having religion without spirituality. Huge problem. I mean, I, you, you see the shidduch market, you see the you know people walking along like zombies. Without, without spirituality, there's no life. So religion, resumes, I mean, right. I, I just, what do you, you need a lot more than, a, than religion in a relationship. You need, a, you need spirituality. You need... You need compassion. You need to see the good people and the good men. You mentioned that I counsel people often who are looking to get over porn addiction. Sure. Tell me tell me about that. Let's so say many of them are not even dealing with a porn addiction. They watch right. porn once in a while, and they have a right. lot of guilt and shame and everything else. So to them, I say it's normal. If you're slipping once in a while in today's day and age, right. pick yourself up, move forward. Correct. You don't pick yourself up is the key. Yeah. Don't. Y- this is not an addiction. Correct. Addictions are progressive. You need it more and more in frequency and intensity and variety. 
if it's that kind of thing, which probably five to ten percent of the people who reach right. out to me, I might even recommend using the word addiction. Most people saying if you remove the shame from the equation, you'd be perfectly fine. Like you're you're living in a world that's a hypersexualized world, right. hypersexualized. If every couple of months you're slipping on pornography, don't you don't have to make yourself crazy with this. Don't right. sit there and seek get out up, get up. Seek out meetings. You'll get way more ideas about what to do than anything else. Don't go there. If you're actually struggling and it's increasing in intensity, so then a, a real program is needed. We have to get to the root. What's sitting the root of the what's issue. sitting in there? So without going into everything, I, I'm often recommending to people two different things to do. Mm-hmm. One is a thank you slash goodbye letter to their addiction. Thank you for helping me, for saving me, for I love that. Yeah. For many things that well, it what did. What did you teach? What did it taught me? Right. It did something. I, right. I got into pornography as a teenager. I was struggling. I was lonely. I was isolated. I needed something. Right. I needed I didn't feel safe. I had tons of terror, absolute terror. I, the one person I tried to get close with sexually abused me. Okay, so I had a thing to, wow. to, fill, that, to fill that gap. As an adult, I didn't need it anymore. I had emotional resources. I had physical resources. I had autonomy. I was able to heal in a different mm-hmm. way. But pornography did nothing for me. The problem is that a lot of people just hear the word sin, and they think it's terrible. So they, I, I can never say mm-hmm. that I got anything good. If you're starving and you eat a cheeseburger, it's going to fill you it up. Fills Let's you not up, pretend right, it right. doesn't. It may be a problem there that you have to tone for, but it actually does something. These things, it gave me a momentary good feeling for many, many years. Today, I don't need it. Today, it's turning on me and eating me. Hmm. Thank you. Goodbye. That's Your friend amazing. is overset as welcome. But the second one is often more important. I'll say write a letter, address it to God, and express your anger. And if it has to start with the words F you, start, start there. How can you talk that to, to God? I said, how can you not? If you feel that way, how can you right. have an opinion of God that he cannot handle your emotions? doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. As, right. a, as a parent, one of the first things, one of the first things they, they teach, right, and a lot of parents Express courses, it, right. When you're ch- if your child is angry, that's a good thing if they can express their anger Correct. at you. So do you Correct. know who I am? No, they don't even know who you are. They can see you're four feet taller than them. Thank you. They know you can hit them across the room. Right. <laughs> one thing. You don't need to prove it. The fact that they could express it and they feel safe expressing it, that's evidence of a relationship. And then you have something to build off of. Hmm. So if that's what someone is truly feeling, which that's where I was, Hashem, God, a higher power, I don't know if you exist. If you do, I'm so mad at you. I, if I can see you, I'd hit you. Good, start there. Ex- a real relationship. Get, get the ball rolling. Yeah. And Isn't that what Bill W. did? How? Go he, ahead. He, gave that, he basically said uh, in, a, in a detox, he says, if you're there... Then help me, and he, he he got this light, and he got up to like the mountain. That's in twelve steps. So I believe I think it was Bill W. Or someone else was actually a psychedelic treatment, a belladonna treatment. Right. That really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. So the 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 connection between psychedelics and twelve steps is not um hmm. is not said enough. Not said hmm. enough. One of the first members, I think, it was Bill W. Did a treatment called the belladonna treatment for their addiction, and after that, they had some sort of revelation, or during that, they had a revelation. That eventually led to the 12 steps. And then Bill W. later in life uh, thought that after someone does the 12 steps and cleans out a lot of the things, he's then to use LSD. He wanted, it, he wanted to bring it as the 13th step. Hmm. I think Bill W. today, if he understood all the other tools available, he probably wouldn't choose LSD because it has some, some dangers that others don't. But the concept, I don't think he was completely... Are you doing any, br- are you doing any breath work on a daily basis? Very interesting you mentioned breath work. So I've... I've used breathwork for years. As a matter of fact, I had a, a coach who I worked with. We would meet twice a week. Yeah. And that's what he did was breathwork with me. And he taught me breathwork to do constantly. So breathwork has been a part of my life for years. The states I've been able to access on breathwork 
post psychedelics are incomparable because it opens something that now yes. I know it exists. Previously, as I was getting to those states, I thought I'm losing my mind. Now that I've seen it on psychedelics, it's accessible to me mm. um, in breath work. I don't think that's going to be true for everyone. I'm sure I had certain walls and protections that I needed a bigger tool to break down. But yeah, breath work is a huge, huge, huge part of my life. If yeah. I'm struggling now, if I need a recenter, it's usually music and breath work. That's funny. Music kills the ego. I mean, these are all things. Music, you know, you say music kills the ego. If you listen to the good music, it kills the ego. You're loose. You know, think yeah. about it. Let's put music on. Next thing you know, you're yourself. <laughs> you know, music kills the ego. That's why. And also breath work. It calms down the heart. Right. It, it gives you oxygen. It gives you, Nachman calls it, uh, it gives you mochem gadlut. It gets you into higher states of consciousness. Yeah, physically, it's impossible to be. It's impossible to be angry and breathing deeply at the same right. time, and be present if you're if you're taking one breath at a time. Right. I saw somewhere I don't know where I saw this that a lot of people think smoking relaxes them, but it's not the nicotine; it's the deep breathing mm, <laughs> that, wow. that they're doing when they're smoking. Wow. It's like, oh wow, it's so relaxing. Of course, do the same exact thing with an unlit cigarette. There's no cigarette. It, and tell me how you feel. It's funny how the we're just Shavuot is tonight, and Rabbi Nachman says that Shavuot is the cure. For the lungs, is that right? Yeah. Why? Why specifically the lungs? It's because there's five lobes of the t of the lungs, and five 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 books five of books the of the Torah. So, what he's saying is also when you're learning and breathing, you're also breathing. When I'm learning Torah, I'm breathing. Right. It's not just the physical breathing; it's the physical learning it. That means when you learn these teachings and you and you if you're really into it, you're a different person. It, you it, come changes out, it changes something in you. Right. It gives you that. It gives you. It, it just. It, it gives you that boost of energy, of of that. So I think we have again. We're we're supposed to be spiritual beings. Uh, breath work. I mean, this is part of our lives. Yeah, it's beautiful to see that these things are actually coming into. It's the coming into now. Yeah. Yeah. Coming into these. I mean, there's a big move right now for self improvement. I think people people want a better life. Um, I think people are trying to get more educated and less entertained right now. Yeah, it's I it's um that, you know Andrew Huberman's done a tremendous yeah. job on on you know educating people. Yeah, he actually released a podcast last week on on psilocybin. I want to hear, I want to which hear I listened it, yeah. to, but it's fascinating. It's a research and yeah. studies. I interviewed someone uh, last week on my podcast. We'll put it out in the next little while. Um, Matthew Johnson from John Hopkins University. Really, twenty years researching psychedelics. Um, and many of the studies they did, you know, people mm -hmm. end of life, um, knowing they're dying of cancer in a couple of years, giving wow. them psilocybin and. Changing the whole perspective and outlook on uh, it's changing the perspective. Hundred really percent is really yeah. the key. And I think one of the things it does, just understanding. I didn't read the study, but understanding the way psilocybin works and the imagination. I, what I imagine the struggle would be over someone dying and the fear of dying. Wow. is that it connects you with your spirituality so powerfully. It's an undeniable truth. But you're, ulti you're ultimately in all these experiences. You're ultimately doing one thing: is you're letting go. You need to let go. I mean that's, that's I mean that's the goal here, no? What are we in in a nutshell? That's all it is. It's and all letting go. That's why I recommended the book "Letting Go" by David Hawkins. It's just you just have to let go, let go as much as you can. Right. And there was it was just mental. There, the there were a couple ceremonies that I had where I was like begging for it to end, and the realization mm. came is that it doesn't end. It doesn't end when it ends. Wow. All it does is make you more aware of the ceremony that's going on. So I'll give you an example. You mentioned David. You were, beg you were begging for the ceremony to end? Uh, yeah, I needed this to end. Too intense, too tough. I'm like, I can't wait for it to end. I can't wait for it to end. Wow. Sometimes it's so... Right. If people think this is a, a bypass or this is a... Um, certainly not ayahuasca. If, certainly if people think this is an, 
avoidance of work. No, it's a lot of work concentrated into a short amount of time. Hmm. This is pure intensity. In many cases, it can also be blissful and peaceful and nice and wonderful if that's what someone needs. But I, I know someone who's done ayahuasca over 2,000 times. 2,000 times? Over 2,000, but he serves. Got serving it. ayahuasca. So every oh, time I they serve, serve. Got it, got it, got it. So he's drinking, and every single time he drinks for himself, he's nervous. How many things? Can you imagine a guy skydiving two, 3,000 times and being nervous? Never. That's crazy. Every single time he's nervous, there's a reverence, there's a sacredness. He says even more so. He said as he continues, it it becomes even more and more of that. Oh, but he has a responsibility also. But even for himself, if he's saying, wow. I, I need for myself, you know, recently he needed to heal something physically, so he was working with it. He said he was incredibly nervous. It took him like 45 minutes or an mm -hmm. hour mm -hmm. just to prepare himself to take the drink that he prepared for for himself. And w one of the one of the lessons were that the ceremony doesn't end. We're in ceremony now. Like it never ends. It right. never ends. Like right. the letting go happens now. I'll give you an example. It's smaller, but you mentioned David Hawkins twice. Yes. Okay. So there's a David Hawkins book that's been popping up in my head. I don't know him. I didn't read it. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't read his work, but someone gifted me a few of his books mm. a few years ago. And this concept of power versus power force. Is incredible. And I was looking for it in my this morning. I was looking for it in my house because I wanted to incredible. bring it with me. We go, we're going somewhere for sure, so I wanted to bring it with me. And I couldn't find it. I'm like, should I read it? Should I buy it? And then you mentioned David Hawkins twice in this conversation. Right? So I'm like, okay, I got to read this. Because uh, you'll, under you'll understand it. You'll understand it. My point is that the connections are always happening. They're right. there in front of you. Very often when... So what's that called? Mindfulness. Yeah, it's just being present. Right, it's just it's being, being present to what's there. 100% being right. present to what's there. Being in a good state and receiving light. We can only... Seeing everything, not resisting anything. State. Exactly. Being completely so open. this is this is why it's funny how our sages tell us that the Rav Nachman has a, has a fa very famous Torah lesson one hundred six, and he says on the, uh, he says, whenever whatever wisdom you have, you should always depart it to people. Because what's going to happen on the on the day of evil, on the day you're stressed, you're going to need the help. <laughs> so what happens is is because you when you're in a good state, keep on giving help people because you're going to need it one day. Like the problem you're going to go through because you help somebody else, God's going to open up your mind. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Rav Nachman was uh, maybe, you know, prophesizing a day like today where a lot of these conversations are recorded and we have the opportunity to. Right. On the way here, I was actually listening to one of my to my own podcast because I was getting a lot of feedback. I did one with a guy, Remy Garari, a Chabad guy who lost a daughter to suicide. Oy and he's open about it and talks about it. And we had a beautiful conversation. But I don't remember the conversation. It happened six weeks ago. I've had so many podcasts since sure, then. I was supposed sure, to remember this conversation. Right. So on the way here, I was listening to it. And then some of the things that I was saying on it, I'm like, well, I need to right. hear that today. Right. right. So wow. now, like what Nachman is saying is now even more true in, a, in, an, wow. in an age of... Um, Amazing. Amazing. I had a, a guy I interviewed once, and he was in a really good space when I interviewed him, really good space. And then some things happened, business, personal life, relationship, like everything, so all this collapsing around the same time. And uh, we were talking, this is about a month or six weeks after the podcast conversation, and I said, I know just a thing for you. So I said, we're releasing your podcast in two days. Yeah. <laughs> All your answers are, uh, are, are in there. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, it's yeah. A, when, you when, you, when you're in a good state, God sends you that. Uh, you put it out there and you get it. You put it, you put it out there. You get it back. I've seen that. I've seen, I've seen, th I've seen, and anytime also, when you're helping the public, you sometimes you say, how, how am I going to have time to help all these people? How am I going to have time? God gives you extra strength to, to yeah. do it. He'll give you extra strength. So sometimes you have to also, 
uh, what am I going to talk about today? You know, this is after 1500 podcasts I have. Right. It's all about opening up the mind. It just opens up your mind as long as you surrender to that concept. Absolutely. Did we cover everything you wanted I to think on we this? Cover, I think we cover everything. Ellie, it was such a pleasure. Thank you, thank you really. so much. I hope everybody is going to get a lot of chizik. How do they? How do they people reach your podcast? In search of more in on search YouTube, more. on, on YouTube. Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Amazing. It's good. It's always yeah. good to have a different perspective on things. And I think you will run very similar journeys. I think you'll end up in his Hizbodudut one day. I have a, I have a feeling <laughs> that you're going to be talking in the field. I just have a feeling. All right, maybe one day we'll do an ayahuasca ceremony together. I got you. Listen, <laughs> if you get my wife to approve it. <laughs> if she needs to approve it, that's the first thing we'll sort out in ceremony. Exactly. exactly. That she doesn't need to approve exactly. these decisions. Thank you again, Ali. Thank you. All right. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.